With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right circle, coup drop. Score! Patrick Kucherov! It's Friday, it's Friday. We all love Friday, even though E... There are times where I have to ask my wife, what day is it today? Because <laughs> I, I feel like being in this situation that we're in, you have a chance to really not care about the days. <laughs> yes, you're, you're, so, you're so right. And I actually have a neighbor um, who have younger children. They have uh, a second grader and a, and a uh, one about to be three year old, and she said basically weekends don't even exist for us anymore. It's every day is the same yeah. day, right? So there's so she actually she's actually working a lot more on weekend days. Uh, she works at BJ's, and uh, she, so she's working more on the weekends because it doesn't matter. Every day is like a weekend day now because uh, you know there's no there's no place to go on a Saturday when the kids are out of school or anything like that. So uh, it it can be very easy to kind of get wrapped up in uh, Groundhog Day minus um, Sunny and Cher. Yeah. Good point by you. And uh, again, I, I keep reiterating this. The sooner we can get back to some normalcy, I think the better psychologically for a lot of people because this just isn't you know, normal behavior. We were, my wife and I, talking about you know, taking any trips this year or maybe even next year. And, I, and we both basically said, you know, forget about it. I mean, even Disney. You know, that, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be major restrictions there. I know you have passes. We have passes. I mean, I, I just, you can't go anywhere. And I, I can tell you that the first few months that people have a chance to get back and really do what they need to do, assuming they're okay financially, you're going to see people just go wild, I think. Yeah, hopefully not too wild. Hopefully there's still yeah. reasons to be vigilant and understanding. And look, we actually have reservations in July for Disney. Do you? We have, uh, I think, four or five nights reserved uh, beginning part of July. And not only, you know, do you have even wonder whether the parks will be open, I don't wonder now if I'll be working. You know, that's, you know, that part yeah. of July, there's, you, you're obviously past the draft, you're past free agency, you're, you're into the, the start of the NHL offseason. And now I don't wonder, Greg, if we'll be working at that point in time covering games. And, um, you know, and also we, we have a, a trip also scheduled in July because that's the easiest month for us to. Um, book things to do your we, stuff. We actually have yeah. yeah, we have we have a week built in uh, in North Carolina, uh, up in the mountains for for a week, and you know we we're gonna pull my son over from Orlando and and go as, as a family uh, for the first real family vacation we've had in a number of years because my other son is you know he'll be twenty three this year so. Um, you, you know, and now now my son's rescheduled high school graduation is that week, you know, so are we going to have to cancel that as well? Uh, even if they're allowed to have a graduation. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we're still holding on to the hope that we can do those, but, uh, again, like mo so many things going on in the world right now, just a lot of unanswered questions. It is. And I, I think, I think for the most part, people have been pretty good about making smart decisions. I, I think I talked about on the show the other day, I think you're going to always get people that, you know, just toe the line, go over the line, but, you know, I think people, for the most part, have been pretty responsible, and let's just hope we continue to do that because, as we said before, I think the sooner we get back to being ourselves again, I think the better. Uh, we've got a busy show today. We've got Carter Verhage 
coming up in our next segment. It's going to be interesting to uh, catch up with him. Some of the younger guys that we have talked to, Mitchell Stevens, we talked to Yanni Gord as well, Ryan Callahan. So we're giving you kind of that former players, current players flavor to this show and a lot to get to with Carter. And, you know, a younger guy who is uh, staying in the area and, um, you know, I think he's trying to make sense of everything as well. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting to hear, you know, how Mitchell Stevens uh, decided to stay here in Tampa. And uh, by himself, he has nobody with him in his apartment wherever he's staying. Uh, Carter is sort of in the same situation, a couple years older than Mitchell, but he's in the same situation. He decided to stay here rather than going back home. Now I understand he has his, his girlfriend home with him. But, um, you know, to, to kind of see how they wrestle with some of this, especially a guy like Verhage who fought so long to get to the NHL level, um, comes up, makes the team, is a big part of the team, is a scratch for a couple of times, gets his first career NHL hat trick, uh, as he did back in January, um, and now having to deal with this. So it's always interesting to get the younger player perspective. That's a good point by you. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. You, you, do, you do hit him every once in a while. You do. Every once in a while. I get to him. Yeah. Hey, Although we, we, we have cut down on the great questions, but go ahead. <laughs> we have. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm giving, I want to give you some limelight here. I don't want to keep, keep saying, having our guys say, you know, great question. No, actually, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not like that at all. Um, I wanted to get into something quickly here before we get to Carter and Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. We're going to hear his interview replay it later on in the broadcast as well. But it it does. We touched on this yesterday about when the league could start. December seems like, you know, it's an interesting uh, month for a lot of uh, teams and everybody to come back. But uh, Elliot Freeman and his 31 Thoughts column, me, you know, they, they were getting into that revenue and the salary cap. You know, if it stays at, let's say, $81.5 million for the next two or three years, there's going to be certainly a squeeze on players and salaries. And he said he liked the creativity of agent uh, Kurt Overhart's idea of an exception player to the cap. Um, it's not to be used, and if it does, there should be an equal luxury tax payment to everyone who doesn't use one. But it is interesting for teams that are going to be tough to get to the cap that we're banking on, no pun intended, a few extra dollars in the salary cap going up to help them, that you know maybe there is something like that that the league and the players union can agree upon. Yeah, very interesting concept, and uh, it's, it's probably a little similar, and he probably drew inspiration for what the NBA has, where they have, what is it, the Larry Bird rule? that you can actually exceed the salary cap to retain your own players, and there is a luxury tax involved that you have to pay into this revenue-sharing type of situation, uh, and that's how it works. In the NBA, I would imagine it would work somewhat similar based on you know, what, what they're reading here, but uh, it, it does give the opportunity to be able to, and look, we know the Lightning are in a cap crunch. They were going to be in a cap crunch even with the cap going up. Um, can't imagine what's going to be in, in, in a flat cap world, which could be for a couple of seasons, you know, cons- you know, without knowing where league revenues are going to go and how quickly the league uh, and businesses are, around the country can re- rebound from this um, to be able to find a way to retain some of these players. Because as Elliot references here, you know, you, you Players are making more money at a younger age than they ever have in the NHL's history. You think of you know the contract that Austin Matthews has and the contract that Mitch Marner has and Connor McDavid. I mean, these are contracts that these players are getting at the age of 22, 23, where 
you know, 15 years ago, players weren't getting those kind of contracts and not necessarily to that level, but the higher end contracts until they were in their late 20s, early 30s. And it becomes harder to kind of, you know, put together that team. And um, so it's an interesting concept if you can utilize something like this to be able to exceed the cap by a certain amount to be able to retain players, uh, you know, players that are a big part of your core. Because as an example, could you do that with an Anthony Sorelli this year? You know, could you go beyond the salary cap to ensure that you get Sorelli signed to a contract that works for him and the team and keep a big part of the team's success with you? Uh, does Mikhail Sergachev fall into that category as well? So uh, as, as that relates to the Tampa Bay Lightning, a very interesting uh, concept to kind of discuss and think about. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and it's something that I'm sure the league's lawyers are all discussing with agents and everybody else to figure out where do they go from here. And I think they'll probably get a better idea once games resume. How many regular season games do they play? How much do they uh, get back that they would have lost if no regular season games were played? And how much of an impact does that ultimately have the following year. But I think these are all interesting questions that, again, the league, I'm sure, is at least, at the very least, thinking about. But um, I want to get to uh, Carter because he's hanging on the line, and we don't want to keep you guys waiting. Carter Verhage, lightning forward, rookie. We'll talk to him when we come back. It's the Power Lunch. He's Eric Erlinson. I'm Greg Linelli right here on Lightning Power Play. The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlinson and Greg Linelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to another edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli, and we are thrilled right now to be joined by Lightning forward Carter Verhage. And Carter, really appreciate your time coming on with us here and... Uh, of course, we have to ask, how is everything with you? How are you handling uh, this self-isolation and everything that's kind of gone on the last uh, six or seven weeks? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And, I mean, uh, it's tough times right now. It's just uh, kind of grinding out, taking it day by day. I mean, trying to stay in shape and everything. But, I mean, uh, it's a crazy time. And appreciate everything everyone's doing and all the healthcare workers and everything. So uh, we're just trying to do our part and, stay inside kind of thing and you know do what we can now you're you stayed here in tampa as most of your teammates have was there a wrestle with yourself and that decision when that opportunity came to maybe go back home and spend time there or stay here in tampa close to your teammates yeah i think uh i definitely weighed both options but i think the right decision was to stay here because we didn't know we still don't know if the season might resume and everything and I mean, uh, back home, I was uh, not as uh, nice weather as it is here right now. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we just kind of decided to stay here. And I mean, it's worked out pretty good. I mean, uh, you can get outside and everything, and there's lots to do. So, especially uh, being uh, in this uh, tough time. So, makes you appreciate living in a place like Tampa, doesn't it, Carter? You know, the good weather, you get a chance to to go outside a bit because, you know, if I think for most people staying inside, it's just not normal behavior, is it? No, I mean, it's, uh, it's beautiful here and every day it's, uh, go outside and uh, enjoy the weather and, and, uh, kind of, you know, take time to appreciate, uh, where you live and everything, uh, that it was before. So, I mean, it sucks not going to the rink every day and being able to play hockey and do, 
So you just kind of appreciate everything. Uh, take it into this perspective a little bit. So Carter Verhage joins us here on Power Lunch. And, and anything different you've done to try and keep yourself in shape? I know you can't replicate ice skating, even if you have rollerblades. But what are anything particularly you've done to try and keep yourself in as good a shape as you can? Uh, without knowing when the end line is, is when you know when you can kind of get back to playing. Yeah, I mean, do your best. Uh, I actually did get rollerblades. I know a lot of the guys have, and been rollerblading quite a bit. It's it's actually pretty fun. Uh, you get the rollerblade. Uh, there's lots of places to do it, and I mean, I've been I've been working out a little bit with uh, limited weights I have and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, that's all you can really do. Kind of just try do your best and uh try and hope that uh eventually this will come to an end and you start playing again i was gonna ask you carter it's not everybody was able to probably grab some weights or you know take them with them from wherever they came or, or do you find yourself the longer this goes on and you know the more we're, we're self-isolating uh hopefully the the curve is is going lower and we'll be able to to get back and interact with people but do you do you find yourself ordering some things online and, and trying to get uh, that type of equipment that you may need? Or is it just about, you know, look, uh, go out, do some cardio. If I got a few weights here, I can work on the upper body, do some squats and, and things like that with uh, what you have. I mean, I've been looking a little bit, but it's, everything's pretty sold out with the, yeah. all the fitness equipment. I mean, like, uh, it's tough to order weights, but I mean, I'm just trying to do the best of what I have here and limited, but I mean, it's pretty easy. You could, do lots to stay in shape. Uh, like I said, it's easy to go outside and go for a run or go for a rollerblade here and kind of stay active. But uh, it's pretty limited, but do the best you can and uh, try and enjoy the time, like the way and, you know, try and stay in shape. So that's all you can really do. Any new hobbies or things to occupy your time when you're not working out that you found, a, a cooking bug or anything like that? Yeah, I've been cooking a lot. Uh, I've been cooking almost uh, every meal of the day, so that's that's new. Usually, when uh, during the season, we usually have uh, breakfast, at the rink, and lunch, and uh, usually order dinner or something. Or, I mean, it's definitely new trying some new recipes and stuff. Uh, you know, my girlfriend's been on uh, Pinterest looking at a lot of different recipes and stuff like that. So we we've been doing our best and trying to learn some new things i i actually just uh i took like a my boulders license course recently so something to do <laughs> I, well i was gonna ask you you know cardi you see some guys we're here with carter verhage on power lunch you see some guys that you know are trying to pick up more skills some guys have maybe gone back to school and, and take courses online and, and you just mentioned doing something right now there with your boating license i mean is that has that entered your mind, you know, kind of like, all right, you know, I've, I've got so much time on my hands here. Let's, let's see if I can pick up a few more skills. Yeah. I mean, I probably should be doing a little more than I have been, but <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know, I know some guys are doing that and, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, for sure something that to think about me go back to school and take a course or so and kind of educate yourself. been watching uh, some documentaries on, I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> I should probably uh, get into the books a little more. Maybe maybe take a course. <laughs> well, ha have you had a chance to check out Alex Kalorn and his Doc Talk at all? Have you watched that uh, interaction with uh, with your teammates? 
Yeah, I actually, uh, <laughs> I have a little bit, uh, kind of want to get on there, but I think uh, it's, <laughs> it's tough to, tough to get on doc talk. It's a pretty, uh, pretty hard show to get on. Apparently <laughs> you have to lobby awesome. a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome what he's doing though with, uh, the charity stuff and the t-shirts and he's becoming uh, quite the influ- influencer on social media. So it's uh, pretty funny. <laughs> you know, we, it's interesting with the rollerblade situation. I mean, when's the last time before now, Carter, you, you got on rollerblades and what has that been like? I mean, obviously it's not the same thing as skating, but you talk to a lot of players, maybe the one concern they have coming back from this, if, and when they do is the fact that they've been off the ice for so long I mean, do you find rollerblades is as close as you're going to get to getting on the ice to, to keep you in, in somewhat decent shape from that standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the closest you can get. But, like, there's nothing like being on the ice. It's completely different. Like, when I first put on the my rollerblades, I probably almost fell, like, ten times. <laughs> like, when I first put them on, like, it's it's pretty tough, actually, but... I mean, you get used to them, but it's completely different than being on ice. Like, I mean, nothing's like being on ice, but uh, I guess it's the closest, and it's, it's still a good workout and keep you in shape and kind of thing. But I mean, uh, we're gonna need. I think we're gonna need a little bit of time to kind of get back to where we were before, because uh, I mean, I don't know. I, we've been on the ice for about I don't know two months now, and I mean, I don't even think uh, during the summer. Uh, we're off the ice for that long, so it's going to take uh, probably a couple of weeks. So, so what's your optimism level right now as you stay tuned into what's taking place and some of the scenarios that are being thrown around and the possibility that you know maybe by the beginning of June you guys are are back at least in a, possibly a training camp situation? I mean, do you have high optimism that this will get back to uh, at least being on the ice and and gear towards? a season or are you just kind of still in wait and see mood mode? Yeah. I mean, I'm as optimistic as uh, I can be. I want to play and everything, but obviously uh, I can't control anything. So it's kind of every day it goes by. It's uh, there's not really much news that comes and everyone's talking about it, but it's, uh, it's really not, not up to anyone, but I mean, just kind of be the, the safest thing, but, I mean, I try and stay as optimistic as I can and kind of hope that uh, we'll be able to play again. And I mean, but I don't think no one really has a finish line uh, like set. I mean, I'm sure there will be, but I don't know when. And I mean, it's all you can really do. Just kind of take it day by day and stay positive and kind of control what you can control, you know? Yeah, and I think everybody's probably in that same boat and uh, as a professional i'm sure you're you're saying to yourself stay in shape eat as well as i can then when you come back whether it's a training camp or a few regular season games then you just deal with the cards you're dealt with i'm curious though carter for you and you talk about getting back into game shape there's been a lot of discussion you know does does the league come back and maybe have a couple of weeks of just a, a mini training camp and then you get into some regular season games heading into the playoffs or would you like to see, you know, maybe a, a couple of weeks of training camp and then get right to the playoffs and uh, um, kind of see where things go from there? I mean, that's a tough one uh, because I know I know we're in a playoff position, but I know a lot of teams that are like maybe one or two points back and 
uh, tough. Like it'd be kind of unfair if we just went straight in the playoffs and they weren't in the playoffs, you know? So, I mean, I think for that kind of sake that it would, we would have to play a little bit of a regular season to kind of like finish, finish the season out and for it to be a little bit fair for everyone. But I mean, personally, uh, I think it'd be good to even do a little bit of a regular season because I think, uh, playoff hockey is something special and it's obviously, obviously more intense and everything. And, I think uh, if we just went straight in the playoffs, it wouldn't be kind of a normal playoff hockey type thing. Everyone would kind of be kind of rusty, if you know what I mean. So I think uh, playing a couple a couple games would uh, be beneficial for everyone. Carter Verhage joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. And Carter, we have uh, myself and Greg have a mutual friend slash guest that we've had on and uh, he informed us that his brother actually works in the same firehouse with your dad back in Ontario. What What's it been like for your dad during this situation, and, and how often do you stay in touch with him, uh, especially now that you get some free time on your hand? Oh, that, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of cool, I guess, uh, the connection. But, yeah, I just uh, I'm FaceTiming my parents. Uh, my, my dad uh, works at the fire hall. He's just kind of normal day for him, I mean. I think he's doing everything he can. He's, he told me, like, uh, when he goes to calls, I think he has to wear masks and everything and all that. And uh, my mom also actually works in healthcare, so she's been. Uh, oh wow. She's uh, been kind of battling. She works at a nursing home, so she's mm-hmm. uh, she's kind of trying to keep everything uh, out of the nursing home because if I know that's a really vulnerable place, if uh, sure the if it gets in there so uh, they, they've been uh, staying busy and uh, doing everything they can so I mean uh, hopefully they can stay safe and I've been in contact with them like probably call them every other day or, or so see how things are going so they actually uh, made some masks and uh, sent them down here for me so it's kind of nice well. <laughs> for sure you know, it, you know it's interesting maybe having that perspective with your mom you know uh, as a healthcare worker I'm curious do you do you feel like you have a, a somewhat better view of, of how things are are going with the coronavirus, you know, who it hits the hardest and, you know, how to combat it and maybe how busy certain hospitals are? Because you see on the news, Carter, there's some that are really busy and there are others that are, are working below capacity. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, for her, she's, she's on the front lines, obviously, and trying to trying to prevent it out of uh out of her nursing home but it's it's really tough to say i mean i i don't know all the details of all the hospitals and everything but i mean it's definitely uh something serious and a lot of people have have felt the effects and have died from this virus so i mean i think uh the health and safety of everyone is first priority when it comes to everything so I think uh, we've been doing a good job and got to keep uh, keep it up. Carter Verhege joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Just a, a follow-up question to that, Carter. It's interesting. Um, you know, you've seen some healthcare workers, you know, on the front lines and the precautions they really have to take. Has your mom talked about, you know, like what a, a typical day is right now, you know, at, at a nursing home? Are, are there certain precautions she's taking more so than she would before and and what are some of those things that maybe she is doing yeah i think uh 
So I, I think everyone that like they're not allowing uh, visitors or anything into the nursing home. And I think uh, when like all the staff members, when they come in, they have to get their temperature checked and kind of screened of uh, that way. I mean, because I think that's the they're not letting any visitors in. So I, the only way they would, I think, get the an outbreak in their nursing home would be if one of the staff members kind of got it and brought it in. So I think they're doing their best to, to kind of do that. But I know like with the virus, uh, a lot of like symptoms don't show up till later. And you're, I'm not an expert, but I think you're still contagious. So, I mean, it's obviously really tough to do. And I, they're doing their best. And I mean, uh, you got to take your hat off to them because, uh, I mean, uh, they're, they're kind of the heroes of uh, the community right now. I was going to say, you're the, the son of a couple of heroes here. I, I mean, how nervous are you for them on, on a daily basis and, you know, what they have to go through, especially with your mom being in, you know, a nursing home situation? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous and worried about them, but I uh, I think they're taking the right precautions. And, I mean, uh, that's pretty much all they can do. I mean, it's their job, and they know that, and, uh, they're just uh, doing the best they can and to, you know, be the safest they can possible and to help the community like everyone else is doing. So, I mean, uh, they're just doing their part too, and I think they'll tell you that. It changed you for sure, Carter. We um, talked about this on the show, was, what, about a month ago. My dad got hit with the virus back up in Pittsburgh and okay. um, had that fever for 10 days and... You know, it's pretty scary, and I think what's scary is the fact that, you know, you can't really be around people to help you. My mom was basically there, and they took him to the hospital, and they released him, and, you know, thank God he's he's doing much better now. Fever broke, and he's, he's walking around, but um, it is interesting just kind of watching this virus and, and who it hits, how it hits you, and, you know, I think everybody's just praying that uh, some treatments and some vaccines are going to get here sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm curious as a as a guy who's playing for right now with this virus going on, everybody's talked about, you know, there may be some neutral sites where teams have to go and, you know, maybe the traveling will be uh, interesting because you, you'll be away from family for an extended period of time. But do you think for you guys, or at least you personally, that if there was a vaccine out there and, you know, there were better treatments right now because this virus is so new, we just don't have them at this moment that, would it be a little bit easier to sit there and say, yeah, all right, let's come back and play whenever we can because, you know, we know that uh, for the most part everybody's going to be okay because there's there's treatment for it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, the biggest thing is, like, health of uh, the public and everyone out there is above sports, above everything else. So I think that's the foremost thing. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, if there was, was more testing and I think – and vaccine and everything like that. I mean, for sure, we'd be, I'm sure we'd be getting ready to play and everything, but it's, uh, right now it's tough. I mean, I don't even know, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure about the testing and everything, but, uh, I, I mean, the test should go to the people who need it and not, uh, the, like us who, d who don't need it or, you know what I mean? Need it to play sports. I think personally, the people that, are at risk and could potentially 
get re really sick from this. So, I mean, it's a t it's a tough scenario too with uh, going to, going to a neutral site. I think there's a lot of moving parts, and I think the NHL is doing the best they can to try and figure out a way that's safe. But I mean, uh, right now all I can do is kind of stay positive and control what I can control. But I mean, uh, I I trust that trust everyone and what they're doing and I think everyone's doing a good job and trying to do the best they can. So, so that's all that can really be done. All right, Carter, last question from me and we appreciate uh, you joining us here on the show. Um, how much uh, fun have you had in the team chats? I understand Braden Colburn's gotten pretty good at Photoshopping and, you know, you talked about Alex Kalorn. Um, you know, he can be a little bit of a jokester. So how much of a good distraction can that be when you get into some of those team chats and maybe share a laugh with everybody? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, it's it's pretty funny. Kobe's pretty funny in the team chat. I don't think he, I don't think he gets enough credit for uh, the jokes. <laughs> a lot of times, uh, no one gives him any uh, laughs or anything. But he's a pretty funny guy. He he uh, keeps it light for sure. No killer with that uh, the doc talk. That's, that's pretty funny too. I mean, he's uh, working his brand, which is uh, <laughs> which is pretty uh, pretty good. Yeah, you got to do something, right? When the everybody's home, you got to find some sort of entertainment. You can only watch Netflix for so many hours, right? Yeah, yeah. His doc talk is uh, cracks me up every time I watch it. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know who his next guest is going to be. It's uh, uh, it'll be a special surprise probably for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be muscle well, we're going to lobby for you. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like to get on there. I wouldn't mind one of those shirts. Some pretty uh, pretty good swags. <laughs> Good stuff. I was it was great catching up with you. Stay safe. Continue to, you know, stay in shape. And then whenever that uh, time comes, hopefully everybody's at the rink. And um, actually, lastly, it, it will be weird though, Lana Carter, if if there's no fans in the arena. I mean, that as a player, you guys thrive off the the energy of the crowd, especially come playoff time. If if that's not part of the equation at first, that would be that would be pretty different, wouldn't it? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, uh, the fans bring so much energy in the atmosphere and everything, and it's. I mean, it makes uh, the game that much more intense when uh, you're at home and everyone's cheering you on and you score a goal and everyone's going crazy or when you're on the road and everyone's booing you and stuff like that. It it makes things way more intense. I mean, I hope uh, it could find – I mean, I don't think we'll be able to find the same intensity of just having the fans and everyone in, into it and stuff like that. But, I mean, hopefully we can be somewhat similar. So – if if that's the case, we have to play with no fans. So, I mean, uh, I think everyone wants to play, but I mean, obviously having the fans there is a huge uh, component. All right. Well, Carter, man, we can't uh, thank you enough. Uh, as Greg said, continue to be safe. Uh, thank you, parents, for all of us down here in in, in the Tampa area for what they're doing uh, back in Ontario. That's that's great. That the that uh, you know they are the heroes. Those are the ones really battle on the front lines of this. So uh, we appreciate what your parents are doing. Uh, stay in shape, uh, stay safe, and hopefully soon we'll get to catch up with you at the rink. Yeah, sounds good. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you. Craig Linelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play, getting you through another week of action here i guess we can call it action it's action me and greg uh here with you kind of get you through this 
coronavirus situation, this pause in the NHL schedule. And, Greg, we had a chance earlier in the week to catch up with uh, one of the NHL insiders, uh, Dave Pagnota, who works for the Fourth Period magazine. He's the editor-in-chief. He also has the fourthperiod.com as well as uh, co-host of Hot Stove. You can hear weekends on Sirius XM NHL Radio. And as we've been doing here uh, in recent weeks on Fridays, we've been kind of giving you the best interview uh, that we've had of the week. And uh, this was a very informative um, situation with Dave, who certainly has his pulse on what goes on with the league and the players, um, uh, you know, the player association. Anyway, he he really, really knows the stuff. And I, I think this was a very informative interview. Yeah, I was going to say, he's dialed into the league pretty good. You know, we always talk about the, the heavy hitters in the NHL, LeBron, Friedman, McKenzie, Traeger. But, you know, Dave has, has done a pretty good job, I think, over the years of, of getting a, a pulse on the players and, and news that's breaking. So we were, we were lucky to have him on uh, the other day, had some good feedback on it. And, uh, you know, want to play that right now. We, uh, we were talking uh, in our opening segment there about a lot of these scenarios with uh, sports in North America in particular and uh, major league baseball with their sort of radical sort of thinking. And now you've got the NHL with these pods, so to speak, these, neutral site locations in NHL cities. Um, you had reported last week that Tampa was on that list. Uh, how how deep is that list, and is there anything new that has kind of developed here in the last week? It's it's my understanding is there's about 10 to 12 different, uh, I guess, markets or teams that have tossed themselves into the ring in terms of, um, you know, consider us as a legitimate option to, to come down and play. And there's a variety of different variables that, that come in, obviously, is, is rink accessibility, how many facilities might be available, uh, hotel accommodations, proximity to these rinks, and, and so on. Um, it, it, I don't think they're cutting down the list just yet. There may be some that, that may um, you know, be ahead of, of others just in terms of uh, you know, certain government restrictions that are in place. Um, or, or that are being alleviated. Uh, so all of that's going to be taken into account once they make a final determination as to which markets they want to go to. Ideally, they'd like to go to four. They'd like to keep the divisions close to each other. Because you look at the schedule, most teams have, uh, I think, half of their games remaining or around that against their divisional opponents. So they're going to do what they can to minimize travel overall and at the same time try to, in their plan A, try to get the regular season wrapped up before we get to playoffs. Dave, what makes Tampa an attractive place if they go that route? I've got to think the fact that they've pulled off big events before is a plus, and you know, you've got uh, some other things that can accommodate teams from that standpoint. But what, in your opinion, what yeah. makes Tampa maybe one of those teams on a short list of, of franchises that could host a bunch of other NHL teams? Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with the fact that you've got the main rank right there and you've got a couple hotels that are within walking distance, um, it makes makes life a lot easier for for all the teams and, and for the league. And you're right, with, with having the All-Star game there a couple of years ago, um, you know, having the notes, because most of these will be kind of organized from a league perspective. Um, obviously, you know, team PR staff and, and team staff will be responsible for their own, but everything will be overseen by, by the NHL. So having... Uh, some really close familiarity with how you can do something within a particular market from a league-wide perspective, having multiple teams 
um, certainly helps as well from a logistics perspective. And then again, the rink, the different hotels that are that are right near the area, um, and again, the 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 restrictions that are slowly being lifted within the state and and within you know the the city and the county is all all of that will play a factor and and that's why from as my understanding is that Tampa is one of the teams that have been part of the discussion. Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period.com joins us here on Power Lunch and Dave Toronto's on that list for many reasons. They obviously hosted the World Cup of Hockey not too long ago and sort of the same style of of the way things were played out with two games per day. I know they've talked about doing potentially three games per day. What advantages with Toronto would be there and especially if we're talking division-based, and how is the situation in that part of Ontario? I know you're up in that neck of the woods a lot uh, in terms of where things are at with with, uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm here now. Uh, I've been here since, um, you know, split usually between here and Los Angeles, but being here now since kind of all the lockdowns kind of came into place, uh, things have improved here um, in in the last week or so. Um, Toronto itself isn't, um, certainly as bad as some of the other or hasn't been as bad as some of the other major cities, um, you know, that, that are out there as well. I think from Toronto's consideration perspective, you're right. You know, similar to Tampa and having the all-star game, Toronto with the world cup in 2016, um, from a logistics perspective, there's, there's a good understanding from the league as to how they can maneuver certain things. And again, rinks, uh, multiple rinks in terms of access hotels, all, you know, square downtown, and having the availability and the proximity to the rinks plays a factor as well. Um, and, and, you know, slowly the restrictions being lifted here uh, from, from a, a, a government, provincial and um, municipal perspective uh, are slowly going to start uh, entering, I think, uh, as we get into next week, I think, um, things, some of the restrictions are going to start to be uh, lifted slowly, like, in, like everywhere else. Um, but this is another thing to take into consideration for, for the league. There are, uh, you know, like I said, other cities that have, uh, you know, similar uh, situations in terms of accommodations and access to ranks and the ability to play multiple games throughout the day. Um, Toronto would certainly, as my understanding, be the probably biggest market from a population perspective that's kind of part of the consideration from the NHL. Dave, what's the bigger deal for the players right now from the ones you've talked to or read about when they've done interviews? Possibly being away from their families playing at neutral sites or coming back playing while dealing with the threat of COVID-19. It seems like from some reports I'm reading, it's the former, not the latter. Yeah, it's it's it more, so, more so, yeah, the family side of things. I mean, a lot of these, um, a, a lot of the players that, that at least I've spoken to anyway have uh, a pretty good idea or at least understanding that if they get to a point where, you know, everybody's coming back, that the league has done its due diligence in terms of not only discussing things from a government perspective, but also speaking to the medical experts that they're talking to on a regular weekly basis. Um, and, and then, of course, in conjunction with their discussions with the NHLPA, everything has to be agreed upon by both sides in order to return. There's a lot of comfort there from a player perspective uh, knowing that as much as they want to play, when the time comes, they'll be as safe as they possibly can be under the circumstances. Uh, but yeah, the, the other aspect of it is, is being away from you know, your friends and your family 
for upwards of, you know, three months, depending on how far you go. Um, so there's that concern has been certainly raised within the discussions with the NHL. Um, they're trying to find ways to kind of go about that. Remember, when, when Gary Bettman uh, had his interview with Ron McLean of Sportsnet last week, he mentioned that there could be a possibility once we get to playoff time that some of these teams play in their respective cities, if not all of the teams, play out of their respective cities once the playoffs get to that point too. So there's they're leaving the door open for the possibility that if restrictions are uh, you know, lifted significantly by, let's say, August, that there may be an opportunity for a lot of these uh, teams, if not all of them, to play out of their respective cities from, from a kind of a playoff perspective. We're hearing news uh, from the MLB side of things that while they may be doing this mini realignment thing, uh, that they'll be playing out of their, their, at least the plan would be to play out of their stadiums in their respective markets, but obviously no fans. So from the NHL side of things, they're keeping tabs on what other leagues are doing as well and what works, doesn't work, what they're allowed to do, what they aren't allowed to do. Dave, what's the incentive to finish the regular season outside of the obvious financial implications? And we know how much of a hit the NHL is going to take uh, in yeah. terms of uh, hockey-related revenue, especially with no fans in the stands. So what's the incentive for teams, just as an example, Detroit you know, for them to come and finish out their final nine, ten games, whatever it is, when they certainly don't have any opportunities to get in the postseason. I knew Drew Doughty has been on record saying he doesn't think that they should finish, although he did admit that he would have a different perspective if his team was in the playoff <laughs> chase or in the playoffs, which, of course, is going to be different. But from a league standpoint, yeah. why do they have to finish the regular season in these cases? And as our producer Steve Wersnick said, if you're Steve Eisenman, why would you even put your team on the ice in this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few different things that kind of come into play. One, uh, well, overall, it's it's obviously the finances. There's no sugarcoating it. It's you know, you you come back, you finish out the regular season, you get into the postseason, you finish out the playoffs, award the Stanley Cup. That's around a billion, uh, excuse me, half a billion dollars in revenue from a, a, a TV and sponsor perspective. That kind of comes out, so that would cover almost half, if not half, of the total revenue that they would potentially be losing by by canceling out everything to this point and just focusing on next season. Um, so outside of that, it's also for, for a lot of these teams and also from a monetary perspective, the league's paid out their players. Uh, well, minus their last paycheck, which is still to be determined, but they've, they've had two other payments that were made while this uh, pause in the season has, has taken effect. So contractually, there would be the argument that they would be um, – uh, well, they'd have to play from a contractual perspective that they would have to go out there. Obviously, again, safety is the number one concern. And if it's safe to do so, then the league will kind of try to force the hand a little bit. Um, but then you look at other elements, the draft, the, the, the positioning in the draft um, and, and all that. It sounds like the league is now leaning towards having it after the season rather than pushing it to the beginning of June uh, or having it sometime in June like, like they were trying to get going. Uh, last week, it sounds like that's going to be pushed to the end of the season, uh, which makes a little bit more sense or a lot more sense for a lot of people, depending who you talk to. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, some of those considerations into it as well. Um, now, yeah, for teams like Detroit or Ottawa or Jersey uh, and, and, you know, L.A., the Ducks and so on, it's going to be a bit of a mood issue. But, you know, everybody's going to be healthy for the most part. All teams are going to be healthy. You're going to work on your game next season. You're going to have for these teams that are going to be out, 
there's going to be a little bit more time in the offseason to you know focus on on the following year. Uh, but for some of these these teams to come back healthy from a selfish perspective, player perspective, it may be in their best interest to get you know 10, 12 games under their belt after this, what would probably be a three month overall pause to kind of work on their overall game and then you know get back to the to training camp whenever that would would occur for next season. Dave, are we certain or as certain as we can be with the information that we're given that the salary cap will contract next year? And if it does, will the players have to take pay cuts like Bob Nightingale suggested from the USA Today when it comes to some owners talking about baseball players this year possibly taking pay cuts because of a condensed season? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that would be part of the equation. I, that would certainly from an NHL perspective, open up a whole other can of worms that they don't want. These, the, the conversation between the NHL and the NHLPA have been some of the um, most progressive and calming discussions, I think, in, in league history. Uh, we, we spoke with Matthew Schneider a, a few weeks ago on our, on our Hot Stove program, uh, who's one of the, the, the main executives with the NHLPA, and he said, as far as he can recall, not just working with the NHLPA, but as a player over his 20-year career, so say going back about 30 years, he can't recall a time where discussions between the NHL and the NHLPA have been more positive. That could lead to perhaps agreeing to a new CBA a little bit sooner, given the circumstances of everything. From a monetary standpoint for the players, I would not expect that. I mean, you know, it sounds like if the cap doesn't, uh, stay stagnant as it is at the 85, excuse me, 81.5 million that it's at this year. If it does drop a little bit for next season, uh, it's it's going to affect a lot of teams. It's going to affect a lot of players. Escrow is going to come into the equation. The escrow figure will be higher regardless of whether we come back or not uh, this season. So they're, they're obviously trying to minimize that as one of the reasons for coming back. Um, but at the same time, if you're playing out a full season in a condensed schedule, regardless of how condensed it is, if you're playing a full 82. Uh, I don't see a scenario where they would make that request to have the players, you know, kind of cut back some of their salary as part of it. I, I, I think the goal would be to move forward with that um, with the with the full season for next year, and then get back to you know normalcy full fully once the following season comes into play. When Seattle enters the league, when the NHL has its new US TV rights deals in place, uh, and then you look forward to a more prosperous. Um, beginning at that point for the NHL. Dave, does the escrow basically just anyway, just that's going to be a reduction in salary regardless, just be, just because of the yeah. structure that the NHL has that, you know, I mean, players' salaries are going to be reduced because hockey revenue is going to be reduced. This is not, you know, I mean, they're guaranteed contracts, but we all know the escrow and how big of a, of a situation that is for the players. But, you know, if even if the cap stays flat, they have the players have to know that they're going to get a little bit less money next year anyway. Is that kind of the understanding yeah. that's there? Yeah, yeah, without without question. And everybody now, you know, understands that, uh, given the circumstances, that the, the escrow figure will be higher, more money will be, um, you know, kept from their from their regular paychecks every couple of weeks. And unfortunately, it is what it is for them. I mean, that's that's just a scenario. Um, that and the cards that they're being dealt with right now, given all the circumstances. But again, you know, it's it's losing around one point two billion dollars uh, in in not resuming and continuing the season to this point, uh, versus potentially cutting that in half or close to it 
by getting everything going and, and getting the season and the cup awarded and, and all that. So that, that's a big consideration as part of it. And from a player's perspective, you know, it, it may not be ideal, but they may have to move forward with it just to keep their, you know, the, the, their paychecks as close to what they've been getting at this point as, as possible. Dave, it seems pretty clear the league wants to finish this season for various reasons. But once they start back up, can they pause again if there's a spike with the virus? It seems like once you commit to playing, boy, it's hard to shut it down again, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and that goes for any sport. I mean, this is going to be it's certainly going to be interesting to see how things progress and, and from a health perspective and how they keep everybody, you know, kind of kind of cushioned and and and. Um, uh, cocooned, I guess, away from from the general population, so that they can stay as healthy as they can and monitor monitor that. If we see a spike, now remember, uh, Bill Daly mentioned this at the end of last week, I think, where if you see one or two cases kind of come out, that that may not necessarily not you know kind of cancel things or, or or put a second pause into play for the National Hockey League. If you see a spike, then that's going to be a serious concern, no question. Uh, and that might result in them ultimately shutting everything down, which could play a big factor as to how they go about next season. There was initial talk of uh, November being the, the 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 starting point for next season. Now we're hearing reports from Pierre Lebrun, uh, among others, that it may be going to December, might be the starting point, the beginning of December for the National Hockey League for next season. And some consideration, not too much so far, but some consideration for a January start, which you'd imagine would probably condense the season from a, a total games played. It might reduce the overall games played if we get to that point. Um, again, not ideal. They want to keep a full season going next year, uh, but they're certainly you know, trying to do everything they can to minimize any of these um, possible negative scenarios that were to come out, which is why they're having their, their discussions with government officials, medical experts, uh, and, and so on, on a, like I said, weekly basis. I'd say I think it's two times a week that, that they're having some discussions or at least an update uh, so that they can try to move forward and, and plan their best-case scenarios. Again, Dave Pagnota, executive or managing editor of the Fourth Period Magazine. You can find his work at thefourthperiod.com as well as on SiriusXM NHL Radio Hot Stove. You can hear weekends. And um, for people who don't know, Dave, you were one of the first to report that Barclay Goodrow was going to be a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning back on trade yeah. deadline day. So um, you were way out in front of that story uh, as we were on the air as it was all happening as well. But, um, you, you know, you mentioned the testing there. How, how big is that? factor that testing is available that that has to be done on a consistent basis that the players are going to come back and sort of self-quarantine themselves other than the getting the go-ahead from health officials how big is that factor into a reopening uh, i think it's i think it's going to be a primary for for the national hockey league i think we're going to start to see and, and i've spoken to some players not all because i've spoken to some teammates and they haven't been told the same thing but some players have been given an indication that it's probably best for them to return to their NHL cities by or around the middle of May. Uh, so within that point, you're looking at everybody getting back to their team. Let's say, argument's sake, this, actual, this, this moves forward and everybody actually goes back at that point. You're looking at about a two-week period where they've got to self-quarantine themselves. I'd imagine that would still be in play, upon which the league would look to have their camps opening in June 
And while they're doing that self-quarantine, I would imagine the tests would occur within that period. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom that they would want to have their players all coming back to the practice rink, even though they'd be allowed to do so, without being tested first. And they've got to figure out how to do that. What are the best steps about going in that direction? I would imagine that would, would occur at some point in the second half of next month if their plan uh, to get camps going in June is still in effect. Well, Dave, to that point, when we start talking about when the league could resume play, how much of that rides on getting the players who are over in Europe back over to the States and Canada? I know there are heavy travel restrictions right now, and depending on what country some of these guys are from, you basically can't get out of those, those countries. How big of an issue is that logistically? Yeah, well, it's, it, it is. It's, it's a big issue, and that's why I would imagine that they're trying to get ahead of some of those uh, restrictions uh, now in, in, in starting to plan and starting to let some of their players know that, yeah, you might want to come over by this time. So try to figure out what steps would be uh, required in order to do that. Now, some countries are, are starting to alleviate some of their restrictions. Sweden in particular has been very loose with everything uh, because of the, the, the small amount of cases that, have, that they have in comparison to everywhere else. Um, so certain countries are going to be a lot easier to get back on this side of the pond um, than others. And it may, we may even see a scenario where players come from, you know, Czech Republic or, or Russia and have to go to Sweden, then into Canada or the U.S., uh, depending where they're playing. All of these are, are certainly part of the equation for when they're going to be able to reopen camps and get everybody back. Uh, I think next month, which starts, I guess, Friday, uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more of players starting to make their trek back to North America from, from the European cities that they live in. Dave Pagnota from the fourthperiod.com uh, is here on the show with us. Uh, Power Lunch, myself, Eric Rowlandson with Greg Lanelli. And Dave, what kind of hockey do you think we can expect when we do get back to games? You know, this is the longest a lot of players have been off the ice. Uh, yeah. Not on skates, and you know you see plenty of guys on inline skates, but we know there's a big difference between the inline and the the ice skates. Um, but what what kind of hockey can we expect uh, from the players, uh, and from the standpoint that if you, you have to get those couple of games in, obviously to get your timing and get a feel back for the game, but how much will it also help get the competitive juices back up again? Yeah, there are a few guys that are on you know definitive playoff bound teams so far that I've talked to you that are saying that this, these playoffs could be the most exciting playoffs we've seen in a long time because everybody is healthy for the most part. Just about everybody by that time will be, you know, kind of cured up of whatever ailments that, that they've been plagued with to, the, to this point in the year. Um, so there's certainly going to be a lot of competitiveness. There's certainly going to be a lot of energy coming, coming from these guys. It's going to come down to the two to three weeks that the NHL has their camps and, and to get everybody going. You're right. It's going to take a few games for, for things to really jive and for, for guys to get their timing and foot speed under them in game situations. Um, but the two to three weeks of, of, you know, resumption camps or whatever they're going to be called uh, are going to be important. No question. But the, 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 the health of everybody, um, you know, we've talked to, you know, either with Tyler Sagan or Johnny Boychuk or a few others that have said that, I mean, we're, we're healed up, we're ready to roll. And they're talking to their teammates who are kind of in that same position. They're doing what they can now to stay in sh as much shape as they can. 
Um, certainly going back on ice will, will, will play a factor, but uh, from the player side of things, there's certainly, ex- there's some excitement starting to brew as we continue to hear of possibilities of when the league kind of resumes. Um, the, the excitement levels are picking up because especially for the playoff bound teams, uh, most of them anyway, that this could be some very, very fun hockey we see uh, over whatever summer playoff hockey we're going to end up getting. Dave, how would you like to see things play out when things do resume? Does going straight to the playoffs with maybe a mini training camp before make the most sense? Certainly some logistics would need to be worked out in any situation, but what's your best scenario when play resumes for the league? What would you like to see happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, uh, I, I would like to see them just get into the playoffs or, or have a mini you know, tournament for uh, or tournament style kind of session for those teams that are kind of the bubble teams on the outside of, of the playoffs, more wildcard position and kind of a wildcard tournament. If we can get that for me personally, I think that would be cool to see. I think it would be most interesting because it also takes away from the Detroit's and the, the Anaheim's and New Jersey's where they know they're not going anywhere. So you kind of, you know, turn to them and say, all right, don't worry, don't worry about it. Let's get this, this, this little wildcard tournament in place before starting up the season, or excuse me, the playoffs. And then at that point, it also condenses things and it kind of speeds up the process towards the start of, of next season. That would be my ideal. I know that's not the league's ideal. They definitely want to move forward with this plan if they can to finish off the regular season and go into the playoffs and start next season, you know, in, in November or December. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I haven't seen the full schedule, but if Ottawa's playing Detroit, Probably going to skip watching that one. All right, that was Dave Pagnota from uh, earlier this week, again from the fourth period.com. You can check out his work there. Uh, a couple of other great people that he has with him there. Dennis Bernstein uh, is another one who's based out in LA who does a great job, who does some work with Dave. He's also a co host uh, on, the, on the, the Hot Stove show on the weekend. So, very informative. If you ever have a, ch- a chance to check out that website, the fourth period.com, a lot of good inside information on there. They usually do, uh, they're, they're one of the must go tos, uh, especially during the trade deadline and free agency because Dave knows his stuff. He's very tapped in. And uh, again, as we discussed, very informative. He very detailed on some of the information that he has in some of these potential restart situations with the league. I know we discussed even yesterday another scenario of this potential one through six in each division play, some sort of a playoff uh, play in uh, situation as well. But uh, again, Dave, Dave is one of the best. I hope people c- can figure it out. Glad we were able to bring that to you here on a Friday. E, great job as always, buddy. I'll talk to you uh, tomorrow for the Lightning Playoff Rewind of 2016 Round 1 starting at 7. Yep, those have been a lot of fun, and I hope you and Steve have a good weekend, and everybody continue to stay safe, and uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. Already looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be fun. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to Eric Ronson. I am Greg Linelli. It has been the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.